Oh, let's get it. Monday, February 28th, 2022. Won the battle. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. So, it's official. It's long COVID for me. A little bit of lung scarring, a little bit of heart inflammation for the next four to six months. Uh, No alcohol due to the meds I'm already taking. No caffeine or strenuous exercise due to this. What is life? (laughs) Good news that the docs, both in the civilian world and VA, have done really well, uh, have worked together really well, actually. And it doesn't sound like this is going to be permanent for me, which is great news. If I miss a week or two of this podcast, which would be the first time in two and a half or three years or so, it would be because of that and because everyone else on the digital team was too intimidated to replace this pristine voice as damaged as these lungs are (laughs) couple ratings, but no new reviews on Apple podcasts. If you haven't yet, please consider writing a review for born the battle on Apple podcasts, figure out how to do it. Uh, I barely know how to do it. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover born the battle. Listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans Uh, listen to our benefits breakdown episodes, and hear what's on our news releases. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you about your show. And yes, this is your show. You write a review, uh, I respond, uh, or, you know, I may even adjust the entire show based on your review. So uh, appreciate it in advance. Couple news releases today. The first one was a call to action in donating blood during the current blood crisis, blood shortage. You can read the entire press release on va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. That's P-R-E-S-S-R-E-L. It's actually where you can read every news release. Uh, Or you can, hey, call your local VA medical center and ask when they're going to participate in the Roll Up Your Sleeve 2022 campaign. And it should be sometime in March. The second one says for immediate release, the Department of Veterans Affairs seeks input from veterans outdoor recreation groups on how it can facilitate the health and wellness of veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors through improved access to public lands and other outdoor spaces. VA wants to learn how it can best integrate outdoor experiences into its whole health approach to providing care to veterans and their families, caregivers, and survivors. VA is asking individuals, groups, and entities involved in providing veterans outdoor recreation to submit comments from February 23rd to March 25th to help guide the work of strengthening the relationship between VA and managers of public lands and identifying barriers that may prevent veterans access to public lands to augment delivery of health and wellness services and make recommendations to address those barriers. Just like last week's VASRD's rating changes, this has officially been published in the Federal Register. The official version of this document, supporting documents and additional information about this document, uh, that's a lot of words, is now available at federalregister.gov, and you can find it by searching for Request for Information on Veteran Outdoor Recreation. 
There's also a direct link to the document, to the, the official inquiry in the news release. And the news release is at the bottom of this episode's blog on blogs.va.gov. I put a link there. All right. This week's guest is an army brat, an army veteran, and a military historian. An unexpected health condition forced him to leave the army. He initially struggled to adjust to civilian life, like many of us, but he soon found a way to continue honoring his love for those who served throughout America's military history. He now specializes in telling the stories of service members who have been forgotten or ignored in the American popular memory. Matter of fact, in 2021, he partly narrated PBS's National Memorial Day concert segment, highlighting the Second Ranger Company, the Army's only all-black Ranger Company. He is Army veteran Timothy McCoy. Enjoy. So, so Tim, T-Mac, McCoy, what do you want me to call you? Um... You can call me the Tim the T-Mac. It's up to you. Tim the T-Mac. I like it. Uh, (laughs) Most people call me just T-Mac. Okay, gotcha. Well, T-Mac, welcome to Born the Battle, man. A pleasure to be here. Yeah. So before we get into your service, um, word on the street is that um, you grew up as a military brat. Is that correct? That is correct. My my father actually did uh, three tours of, of duty in Vietnam. Um, so I, I grew up on military bases around the country and, um, yeah, I was a military brat. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you grew up around the world, three tours in Vietnam. Wow. Um, my wife was the same way. Um, now where did you get the opportunity to grow up at? Uh, well, I grew up, uh, in mostly Fort Benning, Fort, uh, Fort Lee, Virginia, Fort Rucker, uh, let me see, Fort Dix. Uh, Fort Hood, uh, Germany. So it was, it was a Gambia. <laughs> you know? So you got a, you got a little, when you said around the world, you got, you got a little bit outside the United States. Yeah, a little bit, you got yeah. Germany. Gotcha. Um, it, it's something I personally couldn't fathom. Uh, you know, I grew up with the same kids kindergarten through 12. Um, best friends, my best friend I've known since third grade. Growing up as a military brat, it seems like it's definitely a different way to grow up in terms of growing up with friends. Um, my wife talks about not being, uh, deeply connected to a hometown or, or, or friends even, uh, you know, you have one friends in one spot and then you got to start over. Uh, I know she's, I know it's made her highly adaptable to any situation I put her in. Uh, can you relate to any of that? Yeah. Uh, funny story is, um, when I finally got married at, uh, 18, the girl I married was the longest girl I knew. I knew for the longest. It wasn't, that's just, you know, I, I was going in the military. I said, I need to get married. And I'm like, who do I want? I know her. I know her, you know, so that's, and that's true. So, um, most of the static places I knew were grandparents' house, my grandparents' houses. Uh, you know, okay. Where was that at? Uh, one's in New Jersey and one's in Macon, Georgia. So that's, that's, you know, I spent a summer here, a summer there. Um, uh, so, but, but it helped me in my military career because you could drop me in the middle of nowhere and I can, and I can function. So you can adapt. I can adapt. adapt. Um, so being a military brat, did you know 
early on that military service was going to be the next step in your life? Well, according to my mother, I was born in the military. She said that I would play military games. My father, when he would go to Vietnam, and and, and you know, I was I had a high, you know, uh, an active imagination. I would stuff yeah. his uniforms with clothes and set it up in a chair. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I, I knew that's that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah, mm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fathom being something different. I didn't want to be an electrician or a plumber. I wanted to be a soldier. Did, and I wanted uh, to jump out of airplanes because that was part of the family business. That's what my dad called it, the family business. Part of family business. I like it. I like it. Now, was your dad? Was he the type that deterred you from that, or was he supportive no, in that? No, very, very supportive. Very supportive. I, I didn't think I had a choice. He groomed me as a kid. Uh, no, I'm being serious. I, I did not. I was afraid of heights. He didn't know this until I was about 13. And he made me stand up on the roof with my hands out, you know, walking to. And we're at Fort Benning, Georgia. And we were in Davis Hill. And he had put me up there. He climbed down. You know, I'm all crunched. Stand up, stand up. Hold your head out, you know. Uh, so now the one thing that I wish he'd have, we did more time on was swimming. If, uh, sure, wasn't a good swim, but I would I would I would have uh, I would have made it in Ranger School. Instead, I ended up being in a Lurse company, uh, which is okay. the next best thing. Yeah, gotcha. So he took the exposure method to 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 fatherhood. Yes, <laughs> oh, you're yes. afraid of that? I mean, but he <laughs> he introduced me to to to, to you know. Um, uh, I remember. Um, uh, Omar, uh, General of the Army, uh, Omar Bradley came to Fort Benning and he made sure we got to see that, you know, uh, wow. there was a lot of people in high military that I got to be exposed to. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was actually beneficial for me later on. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't doubt that at all. You know, he, he. It, it, he took like a Spartan approach. It seemed like he yes, took, a, took yes, a very Spartan exactly. approach to your, to your training and yes. made you who you are today. And I'm sure there's no regrets. In um, fact, I'm glad I made it. Cause you know what they did in Sparta when you didn't make it. <laughs> <that's> it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So you joined uh, 83 in infantry. Uh, it looks like your career, your career looks like a lot like mine. And the fact that I was a wanderer. Uh, I didn't stay in many places for long. Uh, always something new to do. Uh, it lo- I was looking at your bio. I was looking uh, from 90 to 99. You had nine different assignments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of your operations included Kuwait, Kosovo, which my ancestry on my father's side is Yugoslavia. And I don't think Americans really understand the gravity yeah. of that breakup and how many people it actually killed. Yeah. Um, you did Desert Shield, OIF, also spent time in Italy and Germany. Uh, however, there's there's an operation in your bio that I've never heard of. Operation Golden Pheasant. Golden Pheasant. What's that? Golden, Golden Pheasant. Pheasant. You, yeah, knew yeah, you knew it. Yeah. You knew it. You knew it. So uh, talk what, to me. Talk to me about that. So what happened in 1988? Nicaragua invaded Honduras, and they yeah, sent that. the 82nd down. And we, you know, there was a jump. As a matter of fact, everybody thought it was a combat jump, but it turned out not to be so. And uh, so. Um, uh, the whole purpose was to, uh, I guess, to beef up the 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 uh, Honduran army. While you were in, and you, and you served up until 2010, uh, 26, 27 years, while you were in, uh, give me either a best friend 
or your greatest mentor? One of my favorite NCO types uh, was a first sergeant Strickland. He understood me. You know, I, I always felt out of place when I went to a non airborne unit. Uh, so I'm in the 82nd. I go to Germany. I'm out of I'm out of place. I come back to the to to Fort Bragg, but I'm in another you know in a signal battalion that is airborne. Then I went to a hospital unit that was airborne, and they was like, "Oh, you're going to Kuwait." And this, you know, I've already been there doing Desert Shield, Desert Storm, but then I'm going there in between wars. And again, I feel yeah. out of place, you know, and then I come to Fort Hood, but then I'm in a worse company for a whole corps. You know, I'm back in, I'm back in the saddle. And then that closes down and I go to first cab, you know, but one of the guys, uh, uh, first Sergeant Strickland, uh, he would sit back and he would look at me and he would, he could read me even First Sergeant Osh, uh, which who one of my first sergeants in the 82nd, Michael Osh, we still connect now. We go to we go to events together, you know. Now at the, at that time I didn't appreciate it, but he taught me new words. Um, I remember he told me it would behoove you not to do that. I didn't know what behoove <laughs> means, so I did it. <laughs> now I know behoove is not to do it. <laughs> or he was like, I hardly suggest that you not do that. And I'm like, that's just a suggestion. No, no, that's an order. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of taught you the meaning between the, the, the minutia of, yep. of exactly. what some there of were, them meant. There were gotcha. several, I mean, everywhere I went, there were different facets of people that, you know, I would, you need a different leader for different situations. Times in your career. Right. Times in your career. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know. And you, and they don't have to be, you know, my direct sergeant. It could totally be someone that's, you know, in a leadership position that you're just looking at and and looking to emulate. I've had a lot of people on the podcast talk about that. 100%, absolutely. Uh, now, if, if my Marine Corps, if my math for Marines is correct, you did 26, 27 years active duty, correct? Yeah, a little, a little less than 26, yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of times you see careerists do 20 or 30. Uh, I always kind of wonder about when they, when I see a, a service member do 25, 26, 27. Uh, what was uh, the reasoning behind yours? Uh, well, the truth is the reason I only did, I, I stopped at that point was because. Uh, and don't and don't say you only did because that's, I mean, that's so long time. But I had no intentions of getting out at that time. Uh, okay. I, I came back from the deployment and I ended up having a TIA stroke. Um, and Ooh, what's TIA mean? It's it's like a mini stroke. Okay. So okay. you can have a stroke, you know, and then you can have a TIA. So, you know, I had uh, a temporary paralysis of the face, uh, you know, mm. a lot of brain fog. Um, um, like I said, this is I, while you were in. Say again. This is while you were in. This is why I was in. Right. Correct. Wow. So, um, like, like I see pictures of my, um, uh, my, uh, retirement ceremony. I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't. The only thing I remember was they told me I could go. So I tried to drive home, uh, from New York to Texas. And I, I, as a matter of fact, my, after a stroke, say again, after a stroke, after a stroke, I thought I was okay after my face, you know, cause they kept me around for a couple of months. And they was like, okay, um, okay. yeah, you, we, you know, I guess I'm retired now, I guess. 
So I'm up in New York by myself. I had bought a retirement house in Augusta, Georgia, but my wife got a job in uh, Grand Prairie. So we moved to the colony, Texas. So I said, I'll drive. I'm thinking I'm okay. It took me three days to get here. (laughs) My wife would call me up and says, where are you? I said, "Uh, Indiana. She goes, you're not supposed to be in Indiana. (laughs) That's a true story. And then I got to like 30 miles away. And then I was like, I can't drive anymore. So I just got a hotel room. I I didn't realize, you know, that's the one thing when you, when you're, when you're a warrior, it's hard for you to admit that something's wrong with you, which is, um, you know, it's funny later, uh, but it's, it's, it's hard to navigate. And when that's the truth, you know, uh, when they told me I had so, 80% PTSD, I cried. I'm like, oh, I messed up. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So, so what helped you get over, what helped you realize that as a warrior? You know, you talk about it's hard to, it's hard to accept that. It's hard to admit that. What helped you understand it, come to terms with it and, well, and, 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 understand that it's okay well uh number one thing was my father um my father understood what i was going through and he he guided me uh initially uh how to get through this uh um he taught me it was okay not to be uh, the guy I was when I went in, you know, there are changes. You've grown older. Uh, at the end of my father's life, he was in a wheelchair, but he was the strongest guy I ever, I ever knew. Uh, so uh, I, I realized that then my, my, my biggest obstacle was people. Uh, I grew up on a military base. Uh, yeah. And so when I retired, what I viewed how I viewed my neighbors and people around me, uh, it, I, I viewed them with suspicion. And so uh, to help me with that, I started, <laughs> I started my own company, Wing Warrior Inc. And I started interviewing uh, uh, World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, Vietnam veterans. Uh, my wife says most of my friends are in the 80, 90 year old range. <laughs> <laughs> So it's almost like you were like, you know, because you really had to transition big time from, I mean, you were a military brat going into military, you know, 40 years of your life has been on base military community. Boom. You're in Texas, no military community. You're transitioning into civilian that life. That hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so a good way, it sounds like a good way that you cope with it is that you went back to the military community in some form or fashion, creating a nonprofit that, that, that brought correct. you back to that. Yeah, my, my, like I said, my mom said I never got out. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, first day of off of active duty, first day in Texas, what did Tim McCoy do? Uh, sat around confused. I really did. I, I, I didn't know. I wasn't ready. I didn't know. You know, a lot of people are like I'm getting out next year, and then they plan a year to get out. I didn't have that luxury. Uh, I, uh, I was doing my thing one day, next thing you know, I'm in a hospital. Uh, then they're treating me, you know, like, Oh, okay. You're okay. You don't have to come in today. You know, you can stay at home, uh, call once a week, you know? And, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm ready to go, you know? And and then 
now I'm at home and I realized it is, I was really, I'll be honest, I was depressed. I was really depressed. Um, um, you know, you try to talk to people, you couldn't relate to them. And then I had to train, change my whole uh, uh, language pattern, my speech pattern. You know, uh, a lot of people thought I was aggressive. You know, well, you know, I was a senior NCO when I retired, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was the same way. My, my first jo- my first job uh, out of the military, I was a video editor for for a sports media company. And, you know, the producers come in with their videos and, and I polish their turds. That's kind of like the job that I was doing. And I was going in there with a very Marine Corps mouth. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and uh, my my director came in and he sat down and he said, uh, Tanner, word on the street is that you curse a lot. <laughs> I was like, and he said, you know, I hired a Marine. I told him I hired a Marine, but he's like, can you, can you work on it? I was like, yes, I can work on that. Don't worry about that. So I think that's, you know, and I've heard that from a lot of other people that sounds like that's something that we've all had to kind of adjust to a little bit. Or me and my wife went to Walmart and I wanted to go to the, to the bathroom. And so I went there and the lady was like, no, you can't go in there. And I was like, lady, unless you got a mop, I'd let me in that bathroom. And she, my wife was, yeah, my wife was like, oh my God. <laughs> and and then, you know, that, but it was a learning process. You know? Then I yeah. thought I for mean, a I, while that I just won't talk to anybody. You know, <laughs> that doesn't work. Long. <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta be able to communicate. Yeah. I don't know. My wife told me I had to, I had to, yell, I had to stop yelling at people speeding by the Walmart, you know, like, you know, like, like they were in front of the PX going, you know, if they, uh, you know, you just yell. Yeah. She's like, you can't do that out in the world. I was like, Oh. <laughs> and another thing is like the first couple of years you're out, you wear your military colors. You know, if you, you, you know, you know, I didn't wear camouflage, but you know, that, that, that those colors that were in the, the camouflage pattern were my favorite colors, you know? So. Okay. It was okay. it was pretty wild though. And I still not wear the, not 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 the gray ACUs. No, you didn't no, have the no. grays? Well, I would wear the shirt out in public, you know, and sometimes the pants, you know, not the jacket, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was a little over the top, but yeah, it it was it was hard, you know. And no even now I've been out ten years. Uh yeah. I can get on a train and people know by looking at me that I'm not one of them. And I learned, my father told me something a long time ago. He said that, um, he said only 1% of the American population serves at any given time. 5% yeah. of the American populations are veterans. He says a lot of people don't know who you are and what you are, what you've gone through, you know. And that was a benefit to me. And, I, and, and initially it was a harm. Uh, it was a harmful piece of advice because when I got out, people were like, thank you for your service. And I was like, you don't know anything about my service. What, what? You, you know, it, and my wife says, look, they're trying to be nice. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, to me, it was yeah. just, uh, uh, as uh, Jack Nicholson said in, in, in uh, A Few Good Men, it was, a, it was a, 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 a punchline at a party. You know what I mean? You really have yeah. no idea, you know. I used to tell I used to tell my friends when they was like they're like you know thank you and I'm like okay and I was like what's wrong and I was like you know if you kind of knew what I did you probably wouldn't even let me in your house so uh, you know <laughs> or or it's or it's you know it's 
Okay. How many people get to yeah, use the bathroom outside and 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 uh and on cardboard boxes and <laughs> digging slit trenches and you know yeah you know, yeah yeah no yeah. yeah they they don't and 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 your wife's right that they they are trying to figure out a way to still acknowledge what you've done because they haven't done it themselves and it's you know I I've kind of put the shoe on the other foot nowadays I go well, well what would I say exactly. You know? So, and so, and so I've kind of accepted it. Um, but yeah, there is kind of a, a, a time, I think where a lot of us kind of go at certain points where all of us kind of go, you know, we, you know, I think it's, you're kind of taken aback by that. Cause you, again, thank me, but the guys that aren't here, that's who you should be thinking. Yeah. You know, that's where my mind always went, you yeah. know? And, uh, so yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, it got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, if I was on the, if I was on the other side of the, coin how would i express that and then when i couldn't come up with a better answer i was like okay well i'll just accept it you know <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of roll with it you know yeah. so yeah my my, um, my 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 reply now is a pleasure to have served and it was and that's the truth yeah. you know so that's a good one yeah. that's a good one um so how did you fall into what you're doing now you've you've mentioned it uh, the the mobile military museum how did that all come about it looks like there was about a two year gap from when you, when you got out to when you started it. Yeah. After I got tired of fishing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you fish for? Uh, I, I live right off of Louisville Lake. And uh, so uh, catfish, uh, okay. uh, uh, buffalo fish, crap, anything they got in the water. You know, I'm, I'm, okay. Well, uh, hey. it, I, but I don't, I don't do it to, to catch anything. I do it because the waves relax me. I just go mm. out there. I don't care if I catch. Sometimes I just cast my, my line and just sit there and just watch the waves. And it's peaceful and it's calm. You know, it was not even a piece of bait on there. You not, just kind of throw it out sometimes, there. Sometimes no, because I don't like I don't like pulling the fish off the hook. I don't want to stand. Well, Mac, if you ever this is totally sidebar, but if you ever make it to Washington State, okay. I go there all the time, so don't fit, play. I'm not playing. Okay. You ever want to go? You want you want you ever want to go out there and you want to go salmon fishing? Let's talk afterwards. All right. So, and if you ever come to Texas, I'm gonna take you out to Louisville Lake and we gonna we gonna do it All up. Right. <laughs> Game in. Game on. Game on. Um, so I'm sorry. Total sidetrack. But when you said fishing, I had to go there. Um, talking about the two years between, um, and then how you fell into uh, the military mobile museum. So what happened was actually. Um, I was getting bored and my sister, I have a sister who's, uh, she has a, she's a teacher. She has a PhD in education. And, uh, uh, I was complaining, you know, there's nothing to do. Uh, you know, it was funny because a lot of people, once they find out I was in the military, uh, uh, like I wanted to do something, you know, I tried to do a construction job and the guy was like, we can't afford you. I'm like, what? You know, you know, and I, I had two of my friends with me who were not in the military, who've never been in the military. And, yeah. uh, and the guy says, well, we only play minimum wage. And I was like, okay. And I turned, I was like, what's minimum wage now? <laughs> I didn't know. I just wanted something to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. I was complaining that I had nothing to do. And my, my sister says, you, you know, you have a nice collection of memorabilia, military memorabilia. Cause I collected airborne gear up until that time. And, okay. uh, she goes, why don't you, you know, take that to schools and other places? And so uh, she booked me at her school. Uh, uh, it was in uh, uh, right outside of Albany, Georgia. I went there and um, that's uh, 
the bug hit me and I, and I liked it. You know, I, I, uh, I enjoyed telling people things that they don't know, you know, you know, a lot of times sure. in history, you know, people tell you things you've already known. You know, okay. But to, to, I like to find out the thing that is not known and, exp- and, and then, and bring it to light, you know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, that's, that, that's so, how I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so you started these speaking engagements at, at, like, at, um, like K through 12 schools or was it? No, no, no. College? Actually hers was, I've only done very few schools. I've done some colleges. Um, I do military conventions, uh, okay. which are my favorites. I go to the 82nd, you know, I come back to all American week, uh, um, uh, the airborne awards, uh, these are places, you know, some years I bring stuff, some years I'm talking, some years I'm just a participant, you know, so. That first one, what what was that first one that uh, your sister took you to? The, 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 the school my sister took me, her, 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 the first event I did was at my sister's school. Uh, okay. She was in the elementary school. Uh, okay. So, I think the next one was a, a junior college. Um, and then I started doing, you know, like I said, uh, I, I like adults more because kids are too honest for me. You know, every time I've gone to school, they go, have you killed anybody? And I'm like, you should never That's ask the first me question. <laughs> it's always the first question. I don't know. I so that first. Now I can deal with that. Then I couldn't. Yeah. So it was, it was a major difference. Uh, uh, but adults who, who, who kind of understood uh, one of my greatest, I did it for three years. Uh, here in Dallas, we have this thing called the uh, American Airlines um, Skyball. That's what it's called. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, that that really opened me up to doing public events for the for general public. Uh, I've done a few for the city I lived in, the city of the Colony, Texas. Um, I I set up uh, a, a uh, a ranger um, uh, display and was rangers from World War II, rangers from Korea, rangers from Vietnam, and rangers today. I've done one with all the medals. Uh, I own 90% of the medals that the Army's had since the Civil War. Uh, wow. I have a large population of uh, the badges. Uh, badges I so- don't have are badges you probably never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> so, I so, mean, so history. So it seems like you had before you even got into this history was big up for you. Like oh, you just kind of accumulated uh, all this stuff. Okay, I'm gonna embarrass myself. My whole life, I've been a reader. Uh, my wife, the way I know she loves me, is in my bathroom. I have a book wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just take this uh, accumulate now. Doing these speaking engagements, doing all and, 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 you know, starting with elementary schools, going into adult conventions, that sort of thing. Is it cathartic for you? Is it a way for you to, to connect with people that aren't associated with the military? Is it a better bridge for you now? Yes. Yes. Because uh, I, I go back to what I said earlier, only a small percentage of the American population understand yeah. what we do. And I am that yeah. person who is trying to get them to understand, uh, have a insight on what we do. And so So understanding what the, understanding what the disconnect was, it helped you find that purpose. There you go. Yeah. 
hundred percent. That's outstanding. Now you're the national uh, historian for multiple units, uh, everything from the second Ranger infantry company to the 82nd airborne division association. Hoorah, is that through that. the, the, is that through the mobile museum or is that a separate it's gig? Separate. It's it, separate. Okay. It's separate. Is it a paid gig no, or do you do no, it through a nonprofit? No, no, no. How do you start making this a full-time thing? Cause that's no. pretty cool. Listen. Okay. I, I'm gonna have to be honest with you. I fund everything myself. I do. Uh, uh, and, 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 I don't like taking money from anybody. I don't. Uh, I'm blessed. I've survived some 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 horrific things. I get paid good money, you know. And so uh, this is a labor of love. You know what I mean? Uh, now, I, I when someone shows gratitude, I don't. Oh no 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 no. But generally, my job uh, is is to show you something and give you an understanding of something you may not know anything about, you know? Uh, uh, and so my collection, it started out as me scraping and saving to, to now people just send me stuff, you know, uh, they let me borrow some, uh, and, uh, I'm going to say this while I'm on here. Uh, one of my, one of the greatest guys I never met, uh, Colonel Keith Nightingale, he sent me some stuff that was priceless. Now I'm sending it back to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but like, uh, it's, it's just awesome. You know, I, I have general officers sending me uh, uniforms. Um, yeah. I, I've got, uh, generals from different countries sending me their uniforms. Um, how did you start getting into this? How did it, how did it become a thing where the, the uh, associations you're now, you know, that are bringing you this, these, so, these generals. So, so how did it, how did you link it up with all, with it all? So I, I had heard about, I knew about the triple nickels and I didn't know anything about second ranger company. And so yeah. when I heard about it, somebody knew a guy, uh, he, uh, uh, James Monty was his name. Uh, I went and interviewed him. And then I, I, they, they had a book uh, uh, written by Edward Posey. I, I went ahead and, 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 and called him, and he sent me a copy of the book right before he died. And so I just went through interviewing those members that were alive. Uh, one of the guys that I interviewed was uh, Daniel Boatwright. He was in the last all-black class of paratroopers, and he was in formation when the Triple Nickel became part of the 82nd Airborne Division. And he okay. really got me back into um, the triple nickel aspect. And he introduced me to Walter Morris, who was the first black paratrooper. And, uh, and, and so wow. the Rangers wow. were like, look, we're too old to do this anymore. Can, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pass the baton to you, you know, you're young. And so like, I represent them at funerals and stuff like that events. Uh, the PBS, uh, uh, a Memorial Day concert. I escorted Rangers there uh, so they could meet. You were also uh, in the video for that. They had a little video piece. Um, you know, you're, you're the, like I said, you're the unit historian for the second uh, Ranger Battalion. I knew nothing about that until um, I, I did my research before this interview. I didn't get to see the Memorial Day concert, the, P, the one that PBS puts on every year. Uh, by the way, that's a huge concert every year on the National Mall. Super patriotic. Uh, Joe Montana, Gary Sinise, I think they've been the host for the, at least the past couple of years. Uh, it had to have been neat to see that the Second Ranger Company be featured in that way in a and little video feature. What during, was surprising 
is most years it is hundreds of thousands of people there. Uh, yeah. It wasn't that that many in the audience because of COVID, and so yeah. it was everything was up close and personal. You know, uh, I'm watching Jerome Colin Powell walk up, and I'm like, oh, you know, he's bigger than life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, that that was an honor. That was that that was a a, a great honor. Uh, and so. So for those that don't know, uh, the second Ranger company is an all black, uh, Ranger company from Korea, right. from, the, from so, Korea. Um, right. For those that didn't see it, what's the story of the second Ranger company? At the beginning of the Korean war, uh, the Koreans were using guerrilla warfare, guerrilla warfare tactics. Uh, um, the eighth army, uh, went ahead and did sort of an experiment, uh, with, uh, doing rangers from the second world war they were they, it was you know they 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 were kind of behind the line guys in the interim they started four companies first second okay. third and fourth airborne they was, these were the first airborne rangers eighth uh, okay. eighth, eighth army's rangers were not airborne so and okay. uh for those who don't know uh colonel uh uh ralph pluckett just got the medal of honor and he was yes. he was the leader of that. Uh, okay. And uh, but anyway, so for some reason they needed a, they wanted a black company. No one no one could ever explain to me why there was a black company. Uh, but so they no, initially nobody's ever explained that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, and I've asked. That was the number one. I know why they had black paratroopers, you know, uh, but I don't know why they had black rangers. And it was okay. the last company formed, and. Uh, and then they was like, no, we're going to not let you be fourth company. You're going to be second company. And they switched. And, 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 and second and fourth company are very, are very close still to this day. There's very few of them left, but they're, they're yeah. close to this day. Uh, so the, 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 the first Airborne Ranger companies uh, were split up after training and sent to Korea. Uh, so first company uh, was attached to... I, I'm, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not a lot. Uh, I know second, second company went to seventh infantry division and fourth company went to first cavalry division. Uh, okay. Uh, so what did they, what did they do in Korea? Oh, they were, they weren't used like they were supposed to use, you know, uh, for their intent and purposes. But what uh, second ranger company went into combat seven days after arriving in Korea, they got their first okay. loss. Uh, their second battle was a week later, which was their biggest loss. Uh, eight Rangers killed, 10 wounded. Uh, they're most famously known for the jump at Monsani uh, on the 23rd of March, 1951. Second and fourth Ranger companies were the first uh, Ranger combat jump in history. They made the first uh, Ranger combat jump in history. Um, wow. And it is... Uh, that this is how rangers do business today so um uh they also a famous battle was the battle of uh hill five five eight one um there were less than 60 uh rangers that were together uh everybody else was on um uh r&r in, in japan and captain uh, uh jim uh, ranger queen which is the ex executive officer, uh, yeah. rallied the men. They ran to the hill, fixed bayonets, chased 
the uh, these were North uh, uh, these were not North Koreans. These were Chinese soldiers Chinese. off a hill, yeah. and they had a ensuing battle. Uh, the Rangers started running out of ammo. They went back down into the valley, dug up some more ammo that they had placed there uh, a couple of weeks before. Went back up the hill, chased the Chinese off the hill again. Uh, when the when they ran out of uh, ammo the second time, uh, the XO. Uh, told everybody to dig in uh, or, or hunker in, and he called artillery on their position. Uh, and uh, during the whole fray, they only lost one person. Um, wow. So, yeah. and uh, then, Two bayonet charges, uh, calling in artillery on their position. Yeah. One person lost. One person lost. Interesting. Wow. So, I, again, I didn't get to see that that video on Memorial Day. But in preparation for this interview, I, I went to the PBS website uh, for the National uh, Memorial Day concert series, and I, and I watched the three and a half minute video that, that I, hey, I saw you in there, did a good job explaining it, um, uh, that talked about the Second Ranger Company. Um, as you know, just like the footage from the, you know, there's a lot of famous footage from the Marine Corps battle at the Chosen Reservoir. I was floored by the imagery that the combat photographers and videographers took of the Second Ranger Company if it was of the second ranger company that that image of the black hands coming out of the snow, obviously from a dead uh, frozen American soldier. Uh, just wow. Uh, do you know where they sourced that footage, where that footage came from? That particular f- footage. I do not know. No, I know which one you're talking wow. about, but uh, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the stuff in that, in that um, patches Video? and stuff like that belong to me. Uh, they filmed it. Really? Yes. I have the largest. So most of it's yours, but wow. Wow. Uh, I was wondering, yeah. And and then obviously they, it must be from the national records or something. I don't know where I'd like to talk to the production company that made that because that some of that imagery I had never seen from the Korean war. And I've, I've gone as a video producer for the Marine Corps, I've gone through a lot of Korean war footage and uh, a lot from the Poos on perimeter, a lot from the chosen reservoir. There's some imagery in that video that I've never seen. And it was pretty incredible. Um, uh, second Ranger Battalion or Second Ranger Company. Uh, for the past couple dec- decades or so, you're starting to see military sto- military stories like this come to life, uh, come to light. Uh, Tus- you know, Tuskegee Buffalo Soldiers, uh, Triple Nickel, Montford Point Marines uh, is famous in the in Marine Corps history. Yeah. The Hellfighters from World War. You know, I have an actual Montford Point Marine uniform. Oh, do you? Yes, well, that's part of my section is an African American military history. So like most have of the units you, you're um, talking about, I have uniforms for. Wow. Have you, I mean, have you contacted all the museums? You got the Marine Corps Museum, you got the new Army Museum here. No, let me Are tell you. Are you in close I'm, relationship? Let me, let me be, explain something. I, I tell places that I will bring it to you and set it up for you, you know, at no charge. A lot of them want to own your stuff. Uh, mm. So I, 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 I don't. Uh, yeah. Because no, this is the a, lot of families entrusted this to me, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. like the Mumford Point Marine, uh, I didn't get it from his family. I had it from a guy who had it in his collection, and he didn't know what it was. And he was like, I got a black Marine from uh, Pearl Harbor. I'm like, what? Black Marines in Pearl Harbor? You know? But then but it, he said that because the plaque, you know, the guy was stationed in Pearl Harbor at one time and after wow. the event. But uh, I, I bought everything. I bought his graduation picture, his, I mean, everything, his uniform, everything. And, and that, that was a catalyst for getting me to, if I can't, if I don't know anybody in it, then I will study the uniforms and put it together. So uh, 
for the Navy, I, you know, you have the, the Golden 13, uh, the USS Mason. Um, the Golden 13s were the first black uh, officers in the Navy, uh, okay. officers and warrant officers. Uh, the USS Mason was a uh, sub chaser, all black sub chaser. Uh, you know, the the three uh, twentieth balloon barrage battalion. They were blacks that went on uh, on uh, day one in D Day. They were on the ground. They they went ashore. The only blacks to go ashore as a unit. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, I can just tell by the way you're moving. Like what? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's that was my that was my question. You know, you had the six triple eight, uh, all black uh, female women. My wife's postal service niece, out in World uh, my War wife's II. aunt was in the six triple eight. Really? Yes, yes. That's I have. Well, that's going to be that's going to be that is a that is a interview in the archive. So if if you're listening right now, that's a really good episode. Uh, Fanny was she's over 100 years old and was able to come on the podcast and tell tell about the uh six trip weight so if you get a chance take take a listen to that one thing i um, like so to like, say yeah, yeah so like the, the whole reason i was at my question was like what stories have not been told yet well well i was like for instance and you were and talking about six going eight. there i love that story because you know when the when the when the, the those women got to england uh they had to guard themselves and the americans would not give them weapons so the british commandos taught them jujitsu and which is wild because my 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 sons didn't know that and they all do jujitsu interesting <laughs> yeah fanny didn't bring that up yeah. she didn't bring that part yeah. up well um, well her, her uh my wife's aunt was actually an mp assigned to them she was which is was rare another rarity uh she yeah. was trained as an mp and then she was assigned to the 688 uh so interesting uh, you know 761st is an is another uh, unit. Uh, Red Ball Express. Uh, that's another uh, um, uh, not talked about often. You know, uh, those guys were on the road twenty four hours a day, getting supplies to the units as they moved out from D Day. Um, yeah, there's just just so much. Uh, you know, you had Second uh, Cavalry Division. People heard of First Cavalry Division. But Second Cavalry Division, they hadn't heard of, uh, and 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 that was taken to Africa and disbanded. But those units were used to build um, the facilities for um, uh, the Tuskegee Airmen when they got to okay. yeah. So so I mean, there's okay. a lot of things you know. You had the the 93rd that fought in World War Two in. I mean, they were known for World War One, but they in World War Two they, they were all black unit uh, division in the uh, Pacific Theater, and they were known for capturing the highest ranking uh, Japanese officer prior to dropping the bombs uh, the, wow. on, on uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So I'm so just saying, um, um, a lot of history. There is, a lot and of it's history. just not told. Yeah. And, and it's well, and it, I mean. You got you got you got yourself sort of to help to help tell the, those stories. That's 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 great. So you got all this memorabilia, all this history, all this knowledge. It's a private. It's in a private collection right now. In the future, what do you want to see this legacy go forward as? My Where do you goal, want this to live? My goal is to acquire space and land to build a public museum. Okay. Um, um, and because and one of my biggest I don't likes is history being in private hands. 
Uh, okay. I'm not a fan of that. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if, if someone gave it to me, then it's to be seen. Yeah. And not only to be seen, I, I like my stuff to be touched. You know, I got to mm-hmm. get out of that. But <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, after so many years, yeah. that stuff will... Yeah. Will deteriorate and, and so and i have one of a kind items uh uh just for instance yeah. second ranger company the first ranger killed uh was isaac baker uh uh, uh but in my in my collection i have the letter from uh, that the te- uh, a picture of the telegram his family received notifying his death and wow. the letter that was written by general MacArthur to his family wow that's in, that's in you know you, you you're never going to see that again but that's not for me that's for the public to see you know so you eventually want to make this a public museum oh yes why not have it why not have it go to another museum that's already established well how come i can't do it myself oh, I don't, I, I, no just i'm just question. i mean I'm, just, no yeah. <laughs> well, well, my question is this my question is this i, I you know i'm more than just african-american you know like I, my other specialty yeah. is uh uh, airborne and special operations, um, yeah. uh, combat jumps. I document them, you know, uh, yeah. but so nine times out of 10, when there's a museum, a bunch of people get together, you know, so I am the, you know, this and that, and, but they don't know the real, you know, behind it. You know what I mean? They don't know the real story behind it. They don't have that. Pa- if, if, if somebody with the passion to do it was to put it together, it would be awesome in my, in my mind, you know, so gotcha. I, that's, that's my goal is to put that passion into something that people can come see, understand, touch, feel. And it's not just, I mean, about, you know, I specialize in the army, but I have things from all the branches. Um, yeah. My uniforms yeah. go from 1866 to present. Um, I can do Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and present. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I have a lot to show, but, you know, I collected this stuff with the with the expressed intent of educating the public. Yeah. A lot of passion. I can tell there's a lot of passion in that. Yeah. 100%. yeah it's just like my wife said, I just got to get paid for it someday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know, maybe, maybe either, either hopefully someday you do open your own museum or someone with as equal of passion comes to you and explains how they're going to, how they are and will be paid for it, you know, and well, I, and I you mean, guys can come to an understanding. I'm writing either a book. Or, you okay. Know, I'm hoping things like that. I'm hoping uh, uh, people with their projects on doing movies and documentaries and so i mean it's not it's not a far-fetched idea that i can do this no uh, no it, no 100 it's not yes. see people do it all the time yeah exactly do it all the time. it's just a, i want i want to you know i i i envision three areas uh african-american military history well not really ethnic military history on one side because there's a lot of things uh, other cultures uh, 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 added to 100%. it to the to, you know, 100%. being in, uh, to our military that we, we we need to we need to uh, say hey this learn is about, what happened before understand four four second uh, uh, you know uh, you know doing the, the the Chinese yeah 
the Chinese Americans that that were in in World War Two. The uh, you know. Did you know during the, the Civil War that uh, they have they're called the Hundred Sons of Hawaii? They sent a hundred men over to fought to fight during the Civil War, and they were not even a part of the. Uh, uh, did not know that. They weren't even a part of the of the Union at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Um, T Mac, what's one thing that you learned during your time in the military that you apply to what you do today? One of the most important things I learned was be true to myself. And when I say be true to myself, I say what I mean. I mean what I say. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sell you a bill of goods and and, and not be honest about what I'm what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Honesty is a is is is, is a good, great policy. Uh, uh, keeping your word, you know. I try, you know. It's hard sometimes, but I'm not going to say I'm going. People respect that, you know. Um, yeah, integrity. Yes. Uh, in my spare time, now well during the pandemic, it was a lot of it. But uh, I'm a director at a outreach center in Dallas, and I live an hour away, but I was there every day. And I we yeah. gave out food, uh, you know. I've, I've been feeding the homeless for the last ten years, um, you know. So, uh, and people enjoy working with me because you know, I'm going to give you my all. You know, uh, I learned as an NCO, I was once I was assigned to work in uh, S1, uh, which is uh, administration. Gotcha. I'm like, I'm not admin, and they were like, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> and we did well, you know, and it was just a temporary assignment, but we did well. And I had a lot of those when I worked on staff. My first day on staff was my worst day in the Army. I was an E6, and I was told yeah. how to take out trash. And I'm like, I'm an E6, I don't take out trash. Like, and it was a major, and he was like, okay. Anyway, the trash goes over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, funny. That's funny. And, and I'm pretty sure when you, when you go into those situations at first, you got, you're like, uh, and then you you eventually learn like an appreciation for what admin S1 did and an appreciation that some of the staffs, what the staff actually does for the rest of the unit, that sort of thing. Yeah. Sure. Without them, yeah. you know, uh, my, after the uh, September 11th, I spent a lot of time as a planner. And that gave me a unique perspective on how things work. Uh, even in my personal life, when I go into a situation, I try to find out that as much about what I'm doing as I can before I commit myself uh, without, without causing a delay. Because um, a lot of people will tell you something and you'll just take it as face value and then you'll just run off and you're, you're looking silly out there. But if you, mm -hmm. if you, you know, okay, why is this like this? Okay. You know, and, but you got to be quick on your feet with it. You know, you, you can't, yeah. you can't hold up progress because you're thinking, you know, you got to move yeah. forward quickly. Very good. Very good. Um, well, T-Mac, we've, uh, is, is there a veteran nonprofit or a veteran in the community whom you've, you've worked with or whom you've had experience with that you'd like to mention? Well, see, I, I, I'm, I'm going to cheat because World War II veterans are my mm -hmm. thing right now because they're dying and uh, uh, we're running out of them. Uh, yeah. And I believe there's a lot of stories we still haven't captured. Uh, most of the histories 
from World War II units was written around 46 and 47. The, the books came out, the unit books, especially the airborne units. Uh, yeah. And a lot of units were deactivated in 45, you know, or the beginning of 46. So their stories didn't come out, you know what I mean, until wow. later. And so I think we, we really need to do a concerted effort in going in and capturing those stories and then moving forward to really digging in on the Korean War because those guys are in their 90s now, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, then you got to hit the Vietnam because what we're going to do is we're going to wait till they're in their 90s and then their stories <laughs> are gone and then we're, we're going to be scrambling. So getting these stories out, you know, my, my, my motto has always been a soldier lives forever as long as he's remembered. And so, which is why I do what I do. And so uh, the short answer is World War II veterans. Very good. Very good. Well, T-Mac, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, we have in, in a shortly, <laughs> relatively short amount of time. Um, is there anything that though that I may have missed or didn't ask that you think is important to share? Well, um, about me in general, uh, no, I mean, we, we covered me. Uh, uh, history, you know how I feel about history. It's important. Uh, uh, what I would say to anybody, if I could get a personal moment, is, you know, yeah. when you went into the Anybody military, that's listening to this, and, 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 and a lot of veterans listen to this, and a lot of VA employees listen to this. So maybe maybe you got a parting maybe you got a parting shot for them. Okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah. When you, yeah. When, when if you, you were to in, talk to them directly, go ahead. Okay. Your time's yours, sorry. When we when we went into the military, we went in, you know, as as one person and we came out another. You know, uh, we we grew, we matured in a lot of in a lot of times. Uh, but uh, when you're a, a warrior, you know, whether you're combat tested or not, when you're a warrior, it's hard to say something is wrong to admit that something is wrong and my biggest thing is you got to seek help you got to seek help uh, uh i have experiences that you know i found a group of people that i can sit down and talk to i can't tell my wife what i saw in iraq afghanistan uh, uh or, or panama or anyway you know i can't you know i can't explain that to my wife or my children you know I have a few brothers, I can, but the, you know, get somebody and 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 bounce. You know, isolation. You know, a lot of guys I know got well. Yeah, I'm getting a farm in Colorado, up in the mountains. You know, but you know, that's face your fears, face your demons. That's what my my father said. Don't run from your demons, embrace them. You know what I mean? Because that's what stopped my nightmares. Because I used to have the most ungodly nightmares night terrors you know it was just and then you know i accepted it you know i saw things but uh my father like i said he did three tours in vietnam his thing was uh when there was a bad incident or something he would say uh that's the hazard of our chosen profession (laughs) and that's true you know we chose this it's not a draft we chose this you know what i mean uh so that's that that would be my my one thing you know Make it a strength. Turn it around and make it a strength. Good to go. Well, T Mac, I really appreciate you coming on board in the battle. Uh, appreciate me. Appreciate you sharing some of your, you know, your story with me. I really appreciate that. Um, but we are we're out of time and uh, we are out. Okay. Have a good one. All right, you too. Out. Uh, <laughs>
getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger, I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go, go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people, because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Want to thank Timothy for coming on Born the Battle. To learn more about TMAC and the Wing Warrior Project, the Wing Warrior Project has a public Facebook group that you can join. You just search for the Winged Warrior Project. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by way of VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our social media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and with a blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate the veteran in your life by emailing in a bio and about five pictures to newmedia at va.gov. After earning a bachelor's degree in political science from Creighton University, Marsha Anderson graduated from Rutgers University School of Law in 1984. Afterwards, she received a master's degree in strategic studies in 2003 from the U.S. Army War College. When she was promoted to colonel, Anderson was surprised to learn that her father, who never mentioned that he served, again, all the way up until colonel, uh, he had also served in the Army during the Korean War. In 2011, Anderson became the first African-American woman to achieve the rank of major general. At this time, she worked as a senior military advisor to the chief of the Army Reserve at the Pentagon. Her work dealt with the congressional budget and appropriations process, as well as matters pertaining to the Department of Defense. Anderson then served as Deputy Commanding General of the U.S. Army Human Resources Command. After 37 years of service, Anderson officially retired from the military in 2016. She continued to work as a clerk of the court for the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Western District of Wisconsin. Currently, Anderson also lives with her husband, Amos, near Madison, Wisconsin. Army veteran Marsha Anderson, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine guard. Fire, bullets fly, day and night brain. Simplify till we're done another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a seven.